I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, If you're new here, let me just explain a little bit about what we do here. Uh, I know it's kind of having a faith episode on a lawn care podcast is a little weird, Let me explain where I'm coming from and who I am and all that stuff, and then we will jump right into today's episode. Guys, my name's Aaron. I run a lawn care business here in Lansing, Michigan, and I started this. I've been doing lawn care for 10 years now, and after the first year or two, I jumped into social media and back then it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, it was, it was rough back in the day. Uh, and there was only a handful of guys that were making any kind of YouTube content and YouTube was really the big thing back then. Now we've got Facebook and Instagram and, and podcasts. And so over the years, I decided that I just wanted to share what I was going through, what I've been doing. And so most of the Mowing in the Dark podcast is lawn care content. However, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a business owner, I believe having faith and and working your faith out and studying the scriptures, for me anyway, is is. A very integral part of business. And so that's why I do the Faith Friday episodes is because I think faith is a huge part of running a successful business. So with that being said, now that you know who I am, my experience in the lawn care industry and and some of my experience in business a little bit, I mean, I didn't explain that too much, but anyway, we're going to jump into today. So The way I do Faith Friday episodes is I take a book of the Bible and we, every episode, we go through a chapter of that book. Usually we, on every episode, we go through a chapter. Sometimes the chapters are so long that we have to split them up. But today the chapter is long, but we don't have to split it up because it's, 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 uh, it's easy enough to go through. Okay. So it shouldn't take too long to go through. All right. So we are in the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter five. So if you're at home listening to this episode, grab your Bible, read along because what the way we do this is I read through the entire chapter and then we go back to the beginning. Now today I'm going to do it a little different because today's chapter is kind of split up a little bit. And so I want to be able to section that off and, and go through each section because it's just going to be easier and make more sense. All right, so we'll read a little bit, then we'll go back to the, the starting verse, we'll go through it verse by verse, and then we'll read a little bit more, and, and we'll just get through it that way today. So before I go any further, I want to explain that I am not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school. I just love the Word of God, and I like sharing it with people. So I may say something that you disagree with, and that is perfectly fine. You can write me. You can write me at lansinglawnservice at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at Aaron Sutter, and you can message me there. You can also find me at Lansing Lawn Service on Instagram, and you can message me there. Or you can go to the Mowing in the Dark podcast.com and fill out the contact us form and you can leave me a message that way. So I think there's a contact us form there. Maybe. I, I don't remember. But anyway, <laughs> those are three, three or four ways that you can contact me to let me know that you disagree and why you disagree. And I would love to have that conversation with you. Several people have done that. Uh, over the time that I've been doing these Faith Friday episodes, and it's been really good, fun, educational, and I appreciate that because I want to learn. I'm here to learn. I'm here to share what I know, 
and I'm here to learn. And so that's, that's the whole reason we do these Faith Friday episodes is to grow in faith, to be able to, to get God's word into our lives. A lot, of, a lot of you guys that listen run lawn care businesses and you don't have extra time to go sometimes to go to church on Sunday. Sometimes you're running ragged and I get it. I wish that you would just set a hard line in the sand and say, I'm not working Sunday. That's the Lord's day. I'm giving that day to the Lord. But I don't believe that that you are commanded to do that. So it's my wish that you would do that. But I don't believe you're commanded to do that. I do believe we are commanded to keep the Sabbath and keep or remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's what I do know, because that's what the Bible commands. All right. Now, our Sabbath, in quotation marks, is Sunday for most of us. Some of us take a day off during the week, and we call that our Sabbath. It's a day of rest. I get it. But in Bible terms, it's not just a day of rest. It's going to the synagogue, sitting under teaching. And so some of you can't do that. And so that's just another way that this Faith Friday episode is used in the lawn care industry is that some people listen to it as their their church service for the day or whatever. And that's fine. It's kind of like a Bible study. Um, it's kind of like we do Sunday school at my church for the adults. And so I'm going to quit talking here and jump right into it because I'm rambling on now and I'm losing you. I can feel it. All right. Let's jump into Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you have received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Okay, we're going to stop there. So that was Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11, okay? So let me give a little background to this. So at the end of chapter 4, it says that all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify. Okay, so the the people that were following the apostles, the people of the this new church that had formed, they were selling things to help their, their church body. They were making sure that everyone was supported. So here's uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 34. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought them money, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So that is what Ananias and Sapphira were doing here. 
they sold their land or sold some of their land and brought the money to the apostles. Now, here's the thing. Let's go back to verse one. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, together with his wife, also sold a piece of property. Verse two, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal that Ananias and Sapphira sold their property, it's theirs, they own it, and they kept back some of the money from the sale? And the, 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 my thinking is, is that they had committed to God that they would bring this money. Now, let me look at my commentary here. I want to just, I want to clear something up here. So my commentary is the Believer's Bible Commentary. It's written by William McDonald. Okay. And it's, it's pretty good. It's not super extensive, not expensive, extensive. And on different passages, but I want to read what's going on here through through what William MacDonald has to say here. So uh, Acts 5, 1 through 4, when God is working in power, Satan is on hand to counterfeit, corrupt, and contend. But where there is real spiritual power, deceit and hypocrisy will be readily exposed. Ananias and Sapphira were ap- apparently moved by the generosity of Barnabas and others. Perhaps they desired to receive the praise of men for some similar act of kindness. So they sold a possession and gave a portion of the proceeds to the apostles. Their sin was in professing to give all while only giving some. No one had asked them to sell the property. After it was sold, they were not obligated to give all, but they pretended a total dedication while acting while actually they held some back. And that's the issue. They committed to give this the all the proceeds of this property to the apostles to distribute as they need. And yet they kept some back. So as we read on here, we see verse three. Then Peter said, Ananias How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Now, the issue is not that he kept the money from the land. That's not the issue. The issue is that Ananias and his wife Sapphira told the Holy Spirit through 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 what they were telling the apostles that they had land they wanted to sell and give that money, give all the money to the apostles. They wanted to look good. They wanted to be on the bandwagon. That's the issue. Verse four, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have had you have not lied to men but to God so they lied they lied to the apostles saying that they would give them all the money and maybe maybe it was that they told the apostles you know what we've got this land we're going to sell it and we're going to give you all the money and then once they sold it and they had that money in their possession and they saw how much money they had. They're like, well, you know what? I think we can keep some of this back for ourselves. You know, we need something. We need something for this sale too. We, we deserve this. And the issue was not that they kept some of the money back. As I was saying before, it's that they lied. They lied to God. Verse five. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Why did great fear seize everyone? Because they found out that it is a big flippin' deal to lie to God. They found out God takes seriously when you make a commitment to him. This is why There is a verse in the Bible 
that does say you can lose your salvation. The only way that you can lose your salvation is if you turn your back on the Holy Spirit and say, I, I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I used to believe this. I do not believe it anymore. I want absolutely nothing to do with the Holy Spirit any longer. Now, my Calvinist friends would disagree with this, I, I think, uh, because they believe in, in, the, uh, in the elect. Once, you're, once God elects you, you are saved no matter. You can't get away from it. And I, I personally don't believe that. Because it says so in the Bible. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, and that's the only unpardonable sin, right? Every other sin is covered when you become a believer. But the unpardonable sin is claiming that you know God, that you you trust in Him, you believe in Him, and then you turn around someday in the future and you say, I recant my belief in Jesus Christ. I do not believe in Jesus Christ. And some people, the Calvinists included, would say that that person never truly believed. I disagree with that. I think there are people who have believed and who have turned their back on God. I believe that because it wouldn't be in the Bible if people hadn't done it. And so that's where I'm at with that. Let's keep going here. I don't want to I don't want to create arguments or anything. That might be something that you disagree with me on that you can write me about. Enlighten me. I'd I'd love to be enlightened. All right, verse 6. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. Now, I actually told my son, my youngest son about this last night because he was he had some question and um and it was about I think it was about telling the truth or something. He's eight, so it's it's you know, it's not that big of a deal. But um, he was he was talking about something like making a promise to God and then you know changing your mind. And I told him about this story, and his eyes got wide, and he's like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't do that." <laughs> so it wasn't a story to scare him. It was a story to enlighten him that when we make a promise to God, we need to keep it. So verse seven, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. So this, this is where it gets interesting, right? Peter asked her, because Ananias and Sapphira were on the same page with this. They agreed. They agreed to lie to the Lord and the apostles and keep some of the money back. Sapphira was in on this. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Verse 8, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Knowing that, well, he didn't know that she knew, but he's testing her. He's finding out. And she says, yes. This, that is the price. Verse nine, Peter said to her, and this would chill you to the bone, right? If you're standing in front of somebody, the apostles specifically, and, and you know, you just lied to them. And then Peter, like the leader of the the church at this time says this to you, this would chill you to the bone, and then you just fall down dead. <laughs> Verse 9, Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? That would send a devastating chill down your spine. And then this is even more devastating. Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband. So as he says this, she's like, Ananias is dead. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. She must have just been like, what have I done? <laughs> right? I mean, this. imagine how you would feel. 
if this was you, that would be devastating news. Like you lied to God and now you're dead. It's just devastating. Verse 10, at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in. Now, these guys just got done working hard burying her husband. The young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. These guys must have been like, what in the world's going on? (laughs) Verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So why, why would God do this? After all, Jesus came, right? Jesus came, he died for sin. He died for the sins. He died for this. He died for this sin. And yet he makes an example out of Ananias and Sapphira. And it's not Peter, it's God. God who is doing this. Why? I believe God wanted to show that it is a huge deal to lie to God. Growing up, there were several times in my life when I was facing some sort of hard situation, and I think we've all done this probably, And I prayed to God and I said, God, if you would just make this situation work out, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I will give you my whole life. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I think we've all been at that place, most likely when we were a kid. But we've all at some point prayed that prayer. It is a big deal to commit something to God and then to go back on it. I believe that is what this story is all about. Is saying, this is a huge deal to lie to the Lord. All right, let's keep moving on. I think I've beat that one enough. Uh, Let's start reading again. And I think I'm going to read from verse 12 in Acts chapter 5 all the way to the end of the chapter. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates were members of the of the party of the Sadducees were filled. Let me start that again. I'm sorry. Verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, The officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. 
At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did, they did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, something like that, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census, and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And that ends Acts chapter 5. Let's go back to verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates were then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. So they saw that Peter and the apostles were out here healing these people. And these Sadducees, they couldn't do it. They couldn't heal anybody because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They, they didn't have what these apostles had, and they were jealous. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. So the apostles were probably in jail with a bunch of other guys. I'm, I'm guessing maybe the jail was empty. I don't know. It doesn't say, but usually a public jail has more than two people in it, especially, you know, a large city like Israel would have been. Uh, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Verse 20. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. So go to the temple courts and proclaim the gospel is what the angel says. Verse 21. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. Now, at this point, wouldn't you think that Paul and Silas would have been absolutely terrified? I think I would have been. You were just arrested. An angel of the Lord comes and gets you out of jail in the, mid, in the middle of the night, and then he tells you to, con to go back to the temple courts and continue to preach the gospel. I think I'd be a little wary, but these guys just, they did it. They obeyed. Verse 21, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. 
when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. So they, they gathered at the temple and they had no idea. Well, it says they, they arrived and gathered together. I'm assuming it was at the temple. And they gathered together. So they, they didn't see uh, Paul or Silas or any of the, the apostles in the temple courts preaching. Must have gone in the back door or something, right? So, so they gather together and then they send to the jail to get these guys. Verse 22. But on arriving at the jail... The officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported. Verse 23, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the door, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now this had to freak these guys out because, listen, those guards at the jail door, there's there's two possibilities, right? There's two possibilities. Either Paul and Silas, I think that's who it was, or Barnabas. It was Paul and Barnabas, I guess. I have no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> I think it was Paul and Barnabas. Um, they either escaped through means of their own power or the guards let them out, right? That's the two, that's the two logical, plausible things. So these guys standing at the, the, the jail door, they could have been killed. They could have been put to death for releasing these guys. Now, it doesn't say if that happened or not, but that's typically in the Bible. That is what happens and happened when someone were to let someone go. The, the people at the jail would have been killed because they broke the law. They let these people go. Um, they found the door locked securely with the guards standing at the door. So the guards could have been killed. But when they opened them, we found no one inside. Verse 24, on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. So they're like, well, the guards say that they didn't let him out and there's no evidence of escape. How'd these guys get out? They, I don't even know if they ever um, found out how these guys got out. Verse 25. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. And before this, in chapter four, when they were put in jail, they, or I'm sorry. So they were put in jail, but before they were put in jail, they were told not to preach. And back in chapter four, Paul and John were before the Sanhedrin, and they were told not to preach, not to continue preaching this gospel anymore to the people of Israel. You're not allowed to preach it. And here they are in the temple courts after being in jail, somehow getting out, and they're preaching to the people. Verse 26, at that, the captain went out with his officers and brought the apostles. So he brought the apostles back before the Sanhedrin. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. So there was probably a large crowd and they were afraid that they would be stoned by this large crowd of people because they loved the apostles because the apostles healed all the sick, all the sick people. Verse 27, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood, guilty of Jesus' blood. So he's saying, we're not guilty of killing Jesus, even though they obviously knew that they were. They obviously knew that they had Jesus hung on a tree, but he's, he's, he's playing semantics here just like you would see in a normal courtroom today. He's playing semantics with words. Like, we didn't put this guy to death, when in reality, every single person that was there during the time of Jesus absolutely knew that these Jewish leaders had Jesus put to death through the Roman government. Everybody knew it. Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, 
we must obey God rather than men. And this is a good thing for us to look at right here. This verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. I've, I shared about this in a past episode. I used to work at a Christian bookstore and we had some insurance claims for a damper on our air conditioning unit that was busted. And so moisture got into the building, damaged a bunch of books and the owners of the bookstore with some employees were in the back of the store rolling covers of books to damage them so that they could add to the insurance claim. And they asked me, they really commanded me to grab some books and start doing it. And I was like, absolutely not. I cannot do this. This is insurance fraud. I cannot do this. And I, I literally went home that evening after I got off my shift and I told my wife, well, I better start looking for another job because I'm probably going to get fired tomorrow for refusing to, to do this. But we have to follow God. We have to obey God over man. Now, are there instances where we obey man? Yeah, we have laws in our country, right? That the Bible, the Bible commands us to obey. We're, we're called to obey the, the laws of the land. But when it comes to obeying God versus obeying laws of our country, we must obey God. A good example of this is um, Grace Community Church during the pandemic, when the government shut down all churches and all that stuff, Grace Community Church refused to close their doors. They refused to stop having their services or meeting together. And the government, and Grace Community Church is in California, one of the strictest states for, for coronavirus laws. And they refused. And the state came after them. They brought, they levied lawsuits against the church and the church fought it. It's a big church. So they had the resources to do it. And ultimately, by obeying God's law rather than man's law, by not forsaking the Sabbath and for for not meeting together, because the Bible commands us that we should not give up meeting together. By doing that, they came out victorious. They never lost any of the lawsuits. They won. By honoring God. Does that mean that in another case, another instance, they would have won? No. Maybe they would lose. But they honored God. We see this through the Reformation. When men stood up against the Catholic Church and some of the unbiblical Catholic teachings that were out there, and they stood up and they they stood fast for God and they lost their lives for that, but they had to honor God rather than rules made by men. So this is verse 26 here is a good verse just to park on for a second. Peter and other apostles and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. Verse 31, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, from whom God has given to those who obey him. They've told the Sanhedrin this, this is the third time now that they have preached the gospel to the Sanhedrin. They, they are telling them, this is what you did. This is, God used it. Jesus raised from the dead and he has risen to the right hand of the father. He is the savior. This is the third time, I believe, in the, in the book of Acts that they have talked to the religious leaders and have told them this and they still won't believe, which means they're hard hearted. 
And the Jewish people to this day are hard-hearted. Many of them, not all, many of them are not open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They do not believe that Jesus was, was, was the Son of God. They do not believe that. And so they, many Jews despise Christians for even saying that. Okay, so let's keep moving on here. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. So the Sanhedrin, they wanted these guys to pay the same price that they made Jesus pay because they, they, they wanted him to shut up and they just, he wouldn't, Jesus would not shut up. And now they're telling these guys to shut up and they will not shut up. They will not be quiet. They won't quit preaching this gospel. And they're furious because it makes them look bad because they're saying the religious leaders and you, all of the Jewish people, you were all chanting for the for Jesus to be put to death. Every single one of you. But he was raised from the dead. And he is our deliverer. And they just keep preaching it and preaching it. And these guys are furious because it makes them look like murderers. Verse 34. But a Pharisee, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel. I think that's how you say it. Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people. So he was one of the guys that would sit in the temple and he would teach. So he was honored by all the people stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. So he shoes the disciples out the door, the apostles out the door and says, just wait for a minute. We want it. We need to talk. And so verse, uh, verse 35 then he addressed them, the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Verse 36, some time ago, Thaddeus appeared claiming to be somebody, probably the son of God. There was a lot of people that, that claimed to be the, the son of God, and he, 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 may, he caused an uprising claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. So this was not a large group of people compared to what the disciples were drawing in. All right, But 400 guys rallied to this guy, and, and they thought that he was somebody, whether it was you know the Son of God or not, whether he was claiming to be the Messiah or not, we don't know. But he was claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, however. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. So it, it just came to nothing. He was killed. And that's the difference that he's pointing out here. He's trying to get these guys, the Sanhedrin, to understand. Listen, we all know Jesus is dead. We saw him die. We saw a spear get jabbed into his side and blood and water came out. We know that, that means he's dead. He dead. And we know that he was buried. We haven't seen him risen from the dead, but these guys are claiming that he rose from the dead and they won't shut up about it. But look at this Thaddeus guy. He appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. However, he was killed. Maybe he was even put to death by the Sanhedrin. He was killed. All his followers dispersed. They didn't talk about it anymore. And it all came to nothing. They shut up. Once they killed that guy, they shut up and they stopped talking about it. What does that mean? It means they didn't really believe in this guy. Verse 37. After him... Judas, not the same Judas that betrayed Jesus, but Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. So he, he led an uprising. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. So he was killed, all his followers shut up, they, they went their separate ways, they just stopped talking about him. But you contrast that with the apostles. They killed Jesus. They didn't shut up about it. They got a lot louder. 
and they won't go away, right? They won't go away. They keep coming to the temple and preaching in the temple courts, and they these guys will not shut up, and they won't go away. We killed their leader, and they still won't shut up. There's something different about this. Verse 38. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose of activity is of human origin, it will fail. He's saying, if this is of these guys, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail. Eventually, it's going to stop. Right? Eventually, it's going to stop. We all know this can't be of human origin because it's still going today. We're talking about it right now. Um... Let's see. Verse 39. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So my question is, has has the Christian religion stopped? No. It's still going today. It is going stronger today than it ever has in the past. Look at China. The people in China, Christians in China, are being heavily persecuted. Heavily persecuted. They have to meet in secret. They are being killed and jailed for having a page of the Bible. And yet, the, the Christianity is spreading like wildfire in China today. You can kill us. You can, you can take our lives. Christianity will continue on. And in fact, when you persecute someone like Christians, we only it only gives Christians greater resolve to continue. And we're going to see why here in a minute. Uh, let's see. Verse 40. Because you find yourselves fighting against God. Verse 40. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. What does flogged mean? Well, it could mean a couple of things. They could have beat them with sticks or clubs, or they could have whipped them with a cat of nine tails. We don't know. Just says they were flogged. Flogging wasn't fun. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So this is the second time they've ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. They hate Jesus because they know They know in their heart of hearts who Jesus was. They absolutely do. And yet, they tell them not to speak in the name. Verse 41, and this is where we come to. This is why Christianity continues to grow. Year after year, day after day. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. The apostles were rejoicing because they were counted worthy by the Lord to be beaten for his name's sake. They rejoiced. And that is how the word, the, the Christian faith has grown over the years. It's because people were persecuted, more people saw that and they were even more emboldened to preach the word of God because they counted it as as they counted it as worthy they were excited that they were counted as worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus Christ that's how the church continues to grow that's why the church in America is kind of dwindling because we don't face a whole lot of persecution here. Now, granted, it's coming. Persecution in America is coming. There will be a day when the Second Amendment does not hold any weight. When free speech will no longer be free in this country. And we're, we're heading there now. We see it. But we're heading there awfully quick. There will be a day. The Bible says, if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. And persecution doesn't just mean being called names. It means physically, in your physical body, you will be persecuted. So get ready. Get ready. 
Verse 42, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We need to take this position. We need to take up this position of day to day, day after day, going house to house or person to person these days and share and teach that Jesus is the Christ. Share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I find it hard today. I, I, not, I should, hard is not the right word. I find it disappointing today that even churches refuse to share the gospel because it might hurt someone's feelings. The gospel is offensive because in order to understand the gospel, you have to understand that you're a sinner, that you've broken God's laws, that you are a sinner. That's why it's offensive. And churches don't want to offend anybody today. They want to hold back. They want, because they have a, they have a church they need to run. They have budgets they have to fill. The church needs that money. So we can't offend people. We got to keep people coming back. I'm telling you, if the church would offend more people with the gospel, those churches might be small, they might dwindle in size, but they would be healthy, thriving churches. I think because the church today has shifted to a seeker-sensitive model in many cases where we no longer gather as a church to be edified as the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can go out and share the gospel, we've decided that it's much better for us to gather at the church, invite our unsaved friends so that the pastor can share the gospel and so that the pastor can do all that work. Because after all, we don't know the gospel and we don't know the, the dang gospel because we don't read the word of God. This is what we've gotten. This is what becoming a seeker-sensitive church has gotten us. We no longer, the parishioners of the church, Christians, no longer read the word of God. They leave it up to the pastor. That is the absolute wrong approach to church. It is not biblical in any way, shape, or form. The biblical definition of church is the body of Christ, people who are already saved who come to the gathering of the church to be edified and lifted up and to be built up through the word of God so that they have the filling of the Holy Spirit to go out into the world and share the gospel with people who are not saved. That is the church model in the Bible. And the church today is completely backwards from that. We have turned that on its head. And it's unbiblical and it doesn't work. Because Billy Graham made a statement. I said this, I think, last week. I said, Billy Graham made a statement one time. He said, I would be pleased if even 10% of the people that came forward at my, at my, um, what did he call it? Revival. We'll call it a revival. At, at my revivals, actually were saved. And thousands upon thousands of people came to the front in his crusades to be saved, in quotes. People today, they're saying that they're saved and then they go out and they live their same unspiritual, unholy lives full of sexual immorality, full of sin and deceit and lying and slander. 
and then they come to church and they raise their hands in worship and claim, I'm saved, I'm saved. And they go out in the world and they have no fruit, but yet they think they're saved because a pastor told them one time that they're saved because that's the church model today. It used to be the revival model and we took over the revival model because we saw how many people were showing up to these revival events in, in my area. We used to call them tent meetings. They used to put up an actual tent and a, uh, an evangelist would come and, you know, share the gospel. This is why some churches don't share the gospel anymore. In fact, my church that I go to, I am so frustrated because they never share the gospel from the pulpit. And, and they, they wait and they invite, they invite a, a, an evangelist to come to share the gospel. We don't need a stinking evangelist to come to share the gospel. We should be sharing the gospel every single dang Sunday. And yet we don't. We don't. Because we leave it on the shoulders of the evangelist. And we leave the teaching of the word onto the shoulders of the pastor. And we... We negate what we're supposed to be doing as believers. We're the ones that are supposed to be the evangelists to people we know. I just get frustrated with this church model today where the gospel is shared so little in church. We focus on on the things, you know, like the little things, like like Ananias and Sapphira. Don't lie to God. And that's important. That's important. Don't don't lie to God. Don't promise God something and then not do it. Don't give partially of what you said you were going to give. Give the whole thing or else you could end up dead like Ananias and Sapphira. That's important. But it doesn't it's not more important than the gospel. We teach cute little stories like the parting of the Red Sea. Cute little stories. But we rarely share the real story, the real reason. And that's the gospel. We share it so little. People are so ignorant of the gospel. Just up until a few years ago, I could not quote you the gospel. And I have been in church my entire life. That's ridiculous. Every single believer should be able to tell you what the gospel is. In detail. And yet we can't. We can't. Because we've abdicated our responsibility as believers to the pastor of the church. The pastor will do it. All I got to do is invite my friends to church and the pastor will do all the work. That is not how people get saved, truly saved. Have people been saved that way? Yes, of course. Is it the best way? Is it the biblical way? Is it the biblical model? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we're too cowardly to go and share the gospel with someone we know. We've abdicated the responsibility to the pastor of the church. And I'm tired of it and I'm sick of it, as you can hear in my voice. All right, I think I got way off topic, but I I had to say it. I had to say it because it's true. It's the truth. And the truth sometimes hurts. Maybe some of you already turned this off by now and that's okay. We need to hear the truth because the truth sets us free. So I hope this Acts chapter 5 was a good read for you. Um, I I would encourage you to go back and study it. Read through it again on your own time. Read through the entire book of Acts. That's what I'm doing. I'm right now in my personal life, I'm in Acts chapter 19. On this podcast, I'm in Acts chapter 5. I read it and reread it. 
because it, you got to get the word of God into your life. And that's part of the reason I do this podcast. I hope this podcast reaches to the Philippines, to all the third world countries of the world, China, so they can hear the gospel. And it's kind of cool that I'm doing this on a lawn care podcast because maybe they can kind of hide it. Maybe they can kind of hide it so they don't get in trouble, so they don't get sent to jail, so they can preach the gospel to those around them. So that's my prayer for this podcast is that it it reaches around the world to people that actually need to hear the word of God. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.